For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? In Super Bowl 55, Sarah Thomas became the first woman to officiate the big game, serving as down judge. After the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the game, ESPN NFL analyst Ryan Clark tweeted his respect for the team's head coach, writing, Thank you, Bruce Arians, for showing the world that all three of your coordinators can be black. Your assistant head coach can be black. You can have two full-time women coaches and be the best team in the world. B.A., you're a trailblazer. Leadership doesn't have a look. Amy Trask spent over 26 years with the Raiders organization where she became the NFL's first female front office executive and primarily served as Al Davis's most trusted advisor. From 1997 to 2013, Trask served as CEO in charge of all non-football operations for the team and oversaw everything from sponsorships to TV contracts to stadium rights and represented the organization at league meetings. In 2013, Trask joined CBS Sports Network as an analyst on That Other Pregame Show, a contributor on the NFL Today on CBS, and a panelist on We Need to Talk, the first-ever nationally televised all-female sports show. She also serves as the chairman of the board of the Big Three Basketball League. As she reviews the progress made in the coaching and officiating ranks, Trask references her experience in the front office to address why gender, race, and, in her words, other individualities don't matter to doing the job. Do I think it will continue to expand? I do. Do I think it will expand necessarily fast enough? For my taste, not necessarily. But again, I mean that without, you know, not simply with respect to gender, but with respect to race, ethnicity, and other individualities. I wish I had the answer for you as to why things take as long as they do, because they shouldn't. And ultimately, the question really is, how do you compel people to do the right thing? My hope is that there's such a thing as business Darwinism, and that not only football teams, but any and all businesses that don't hire without regard to these individualities which have no bearing on whether one can do a job will ultimately fail. Because by definition, they are eliminating from consideration vast, vast swaths of people who can help their businesses be better. So they should fail if there's such a thing as business Darwinism. Why do I think things are progressing a little more quickly now? Because these are now topics of discussion these weren't even topics on the table, so to speak, when I started my career. I had the great fortune of working for someone that didn't give a damn about my gender. And I'll share with you one other note. Never during my career, and again, it started decades and decades ago in the mid, early mid-80s, never once did I sense from any player on any of our teams any pushback, concern, resentment, resistance to my gender. My perspective, my sense, my feeling, my experience was that players were concerned with whether or not someone contributed to a team. So, you know, we see Sarah Thomas 
stepping on the field in the Super Bowl. And I know two things. The league would not put her on the field if they did not believe her to be one of the best officials. Because I will tell you this, and I experienced this in those league owners meetings for almost 30 years. The league does not want officiating controversy or bad officiating in the Super Bowl. And the league is going to put into that game only those officials it believe will best officiate the game. Sarah's not there for any other reason that the league believes she has earned that spot. They don't wanna risk poor officiating. I don't think one player on that field is going to be concerned with her gender. They may not like her calls, but here's a newsflash. Players never like calls that go against them and they always get angry when they think a call should be made that isn't made. And you know what? If she makes a bad call or fails to make a call, she should be booed, irrespective of gender. In her time with the Silver and Black, the team won four division titles and an AFC championship in 2002. If not for the tuck rule game in an AFC divisional playoff game following the 2001 season, they might have won back-to-back AFC crowns, denying Tom Brady his first of ten trips to the Super Bowl. Although the rule was repealed in 2013, Trask hasn't gotten over the fumble that was overruled as an incomplete pass, allowing the Patriots to come back and win. She doesn't hold the ruling against Brady, who has enjoyed some new and positive support after his seventh Super Bowl win. I never took issue with Tom. Tom was the beneficiary of a rule and a ruling and a review with which I took issue. But you know what? Any player in Tom's position that was the beneficiary of that moment in time would be thrilled. So I never took issue with Tom. You know, I think you're, you're onto something. I think that those people who did take issue with Tom, look, it may be waning. It's been a while. There will certainly be some people who will never, ever, ever get past. Look, I'm not past the moment. I'm never going to say that was an okay call. I'm never going to be okay watching footage of that. I'm never going to be okay understanding that something that could only be overturned with indisputable visual evidence, which is still being disputed decades later. You know, I'm not over that call. Never happening. I tend to deal with it in good fun and good spirit, but I never took issue with Tom. When she looks at her former team's current status, she recalls her mentor's reminders of the importance of a strong defense, especially considering the solid offense led by quarterback Derek Carr. If they address the defense, she believes the Raiders can be a contender in the AFC. As to Las Vegas, I think it's evident to everyone that they need to address the defensive side of the ball. The offense is very, very exciting. Very, very fast, explosive players, a tremendous offensive line. Carr was given so much time to make so many passes. He was able to throw downfield a lot. He throws downfield well when he's given time. So I think, you know, the offense was not only competent, and I use that in the sense that people in the finance industry use the word competent, which means it's a very, very high compliment. Uh, It's a good offense. It's an exciting offense. It's an explosive offense. It's a hard offense to defend, but they've got to address the defensive side of the ball. So to get where they want to be next year, that's what, in my view, they have to do. They need some big playmakers on defense. And because we're talking about the Raiders, I will quote something I heard over and over and over from Al throughout my career. The quarterback must go down and he must go down hard. They've got to address pass rush. Oh, and then the other thing Al told me from my first less than a year with the team throughout my career, kid, don't ever leave a team without corners. So if they follow those two pieces of advice from Al, address pass rush and corner, 
then I think you're going to see a defense that can buttress that offense and vice versa, and they'll be where you just suggested they can be. Having said the offense is solid, she knows John Gruden from his first tenure as Raiders head coach and wouldn't be surprised if he looked for another option at quarterback. Look, um, I say this in good spirit and good humor. John Gruden, with respect to quarterbacks, is like that meme of the guy who's walking with his arm around his girlfriend, but then he's looking the other way at the girl that's walking down the street. And again, I offer that in good fun and good spirit, but John is always that guy who has his arm around one quarterback and is looking at another quarterback. Now, Deshaun Watson is spectacular. We don't know yet how that is going to be resolved in Houston, whether Cal McNair will do the responsible, um, take a role of authority and, and responsibility and an ownership perspective and try to get that done with Deshaun or whether it just can't be repaired. If it can't be repaired, and if Deshaun is going to be traded, I think any number of teams should line up. And I think it should be a big line. And I would be surprised if the Raiders didn't try to get in that line. Another option for field general this offseason would be New York Jets quarterback Sam Darnold. Would Al Davis have wanted the former USC standout? It depends. Would Al have been interested in Sam? And the answer to that, and you know, it's going to sound as if I'm equivocating, but it's a sincere answer. It would have been depending on what our quarterback situation was at the time. In other words, if we were in need of a quarterback, if the organization was looking for a quarterback, would Al have looked that way and thought, wow, we may be able to do something with Sam that the Jets have not yet been able to do. He absolutely might have done that. Would he be sort of chomping at the bit, so to speak, rushing to say, that's the guy, that's the guy. I don't believe he would have been that keen on that. Leading into Super Bowl weekend, ESPN Films debuted the latest installment in the 30 for 30 series with Al Davis versus the NFL, tracing the Raiders owner, his relationship, and his rivalry with former NFL commissioner Pete Rozelle from the AFL-NFL clashes in the 1960s through Rozelle's retirement in 1989. The film is available now on ESPN+, but Trask doesn't plan to watch it. I worked for Al and with Al for almost 30 years, and it would to put it as simply as possible, be heartbreaking for me to watch that piece. So I'm not watching it for any other reason than that. It would just break my heart. At the top, we mentioned Trask is an analyst on CBS Sports Network's Sunday NFL program called That Other Pregame Show, also known by its acronym TOPS. When she and fellow analysts, three-time Pro Bowler Kyle Long and Super Bowl champion London Fletcher discussed whether all Super Bowl games should be played in domes, they provided a taste of TOPS. I don't want to see all the Super Bowls in domed stadiums. Now, of course, if this was my years during the, you know, as an executive in the league and we were headed to the Super Bowl and it was miserable, I might be moaning and groaning it was outside. I do think this, however, while I'm comfortable with it being in outdoor facilities, it should never again, and you know, I'll duck when I say this because there's a lot of East Coast people on this team, it should never again be in a location where if on the day of the Super Bowl, there is weather, like was seen in the Northeast the last few days. I mean, how do you do that to fans? I'm here in New York. I'm a California girl. And I, I feel like kind of like the Donner Party must have felt trying to get to the studio in that weather. And not literally, we're not actually cannibalizing anyone yet. But the fact is, <coughs> if the weather that we're experiencing right now on the East Coast were the weather when that game was in Giant Stadium, how do you do that? Put the teams aside for a minute. How do you do that to fans? So I'm not with you yet that it should all be in domed stadiums, but I do they think they should all be in locations that aren't at risk for what's going on in the Northeast now. 
as a player, I always thought it would make more sense to play in a dome that has a retractable option. So it could be an indoor outdoor option. I mean, it almost makes too much sense with all these $5 billion stadiums popping up around the league. We can make it happen, right? Well, let me just butt in for one second, London. You raise a great point as a retractable Ruth, and you also, as you always do on tops, Kyle, you make phenomenal points all the time. Um, as to the $5 billion stadium you're referencing in LA and then the multi-billion stadiums everywhere else, that's always going to be a factor. The league is always going to endeavor to incentivize and then reward and assist those sorts of investments in stadiums. Football is played in the elements. So whatever you call for, that's what you deal with, wherever wherever the game is being played. Just part of it. Part of me feels wholeheartedly like you do, but as a fan now, I mean, I don't want to freeze my butt off up there. And I do think about the fans. I hear you, Lyndon, from a football perspective, and I agree with you from a football perspective, but that was always easy for someone. And I said this aloud at league ownership meetings. When you are a league owner or the president or CEO or general manager of a team, you are watching the, st- the game from indoors. And the league has to think about the fans who are supporting this league. Because without fans, there is no league. And do you really ask the fans to sit outside in what we've been experiencing these last few days? Yes. If they want to come <laughs> to the game, yes. Uh, <laughs> the beer will be cold. Paying a, lot, paying a lot of money. To go see, hey, it's the Super Bowl. That team made. When was the last time Tampa Bay was in the Super Bowl? Uh, hey, 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 sorry, hey! Sorry, hey. Hey, sorry to bring it up. Oh, Eighteen oh, years ago. New, you new think- phone? Who dis? New phone? Who dis? See, this is the fun we have on tops. But if we were on our set of tops, and he said that, I'd have thrown something out. The Cleveland Browns. I grew up in Cleveland. You think their fans care where that game's going to be played? They would go to Alaska to watch. They're Cleveland Browns. Fair point. The, Super Bowl. the Detroit Lions fans, same thing. So, you know, I get it. I understand the, the hey, let's make it all cold, uh, warm weather places and possibly in a dome. But it's, it's just uh, not going to happen, especially when you're asking all these um, different municipalities and states to help you build these stadiums, you know, give you some tax incentives and some tax dollars. They're gonna, the game's going to be played in a lot of, uh, a lot of places. Can I just share with everybody how many clothes London has been wearing when he's come to the set every morning at CBS Sports Network and like 16 jackets and 15 pairs of socks. While waiting for that other pregame show with those three and host Adam Shine to return in the fall, you can catch Trask's big three games this summer on CBS and CBS Sports Network. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. And find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.